Hey, hey, friends, welcome to the Lens of Faith podcast. Today is a very special episode, and it hits close to home as I welcome my brother Nathan to share his testimony. As we wrap up this year of 2021, and I look back and I reflect on the year, you know, I think about the highlight of this year for me is my brother's radical transformation from darkness to light. And it's really been my privilege to be able to mentor and disciple him as the Holy Spirit uses me to pour into his life and to help him grow in Christ. And in such a short time, I have seen so much fruit in his life. It has really boosted my faith and encouraged my walk. So as I was praying about what would God want me to share in this last episode of the year, Nathan really came to mind. And so when I asked him, he's like, you know, he's never shared his testimony publicly and he's still kind of in the process, the process of God healing the wounds of his past. But he is willing to sit down and share today. So I am so excited and honored to have him share his story. Hey, hey, bro, what's up? What's going on, big sis? Well, I'm here for you. Welcome, welcome. Well, I want you to share. I don't want to give away too much. But you know, you lived a life of rebellion, running the streets, selling and doing drugs, very promiscuous, you know, angry, intimidating, you know, all of those things. To give everyone listening a little background, we have parents who never even had alcohol in the house growing up, you know, mainly because our mom and dad both had alcoholic fathers and our parents got radically saved when they were about 19 years old. You know, they didn't even drink coffee, right? Where I love coffee now, so I don't, but yeah, they didn't even drink coffee. You know, we were both raised in a strict Christian home, you know, very moral, a lot of rules. I mean, no TV, no secular music. I mean, really, I remember getting soap in my mouth if I said even stupid to my brother or sister. But Nathan, you're a lot younger than me. You know, I'm the oldest of eight kids. Nathan is the sixth in line. So he's a lot younger, you know, his experiences, what he remembers and his perspective on our upbringing is different. But being raised in a strict Christian home, what was it that made you choose a life of sin and at such a young age? You know, just growing up, always wanting acceptance, you know, I never really found it at home. You know, at a young age, I, I felt acceptance when I was in the world That's from the, the places around me, um, either if it was friends or you know, it was situations in my life where I felt acceptance and it, it wasn't a golly acceptance. It was it was pretty much, you know, it was kind of how gangs, you know, get started and kids start joining gangs and stuff because somebody in the gang accepts them. But it's like a fake acceptance. You know, people manipulate children, you know, even older people, they manipulate kids to try to do things because, you know, kids are vulnerable. They're always trying to prove themselves. So me just growing up around the wrong people, trying to prove myself, always trying to, you know, find acceptance somewhere else, not really having a, a relationship with God until later on in life. That's why I kind of started doing craziness at a young age, you know, starting, starting drugs at a very young age, um, not just smoking weed, you know, doing hard drugs. Well, at a very, very young age, I was actually introduced to uh, being a thief, you know, stealing and robbing cars and hot wiring cars. I was just with the person that was doing it. So he was like maybe 30 something years old and I'm just going along watching him. You know, you're a product of your environment. I was around some people that showed me bad, bad things, how to like hot wire a car, how to rob somebody at gunpoint. And I was going along with 
some people that I was uh, exposed to as a, at a very young age. Yes. And you do not want your kids around those people. No. <laughs> Life lesson. <laughs> no. <laughs> just say no to drugs. Just, just say no to drugs. I mean, that's why it's so important that parents have discernment with who hangs out with their kids because they could be the wrong people, right? Yeah, for sure. I would definitely say that being around the wrong people at a very young age set off the course of my life, for sure. I believe generational curses had a lot to do with things at a, at a very young age also. Yeah, generational curses need to be broken. You know, that's getting deep, but it's so true. Even though our parents were good Christians, you know, they were raised in alcoholic homes, got saved, got married right away, and then got pregnant with me right away. So they were just growing in Christ himself, you know? Yeah. So there were issues from their own past that they were healing from, you know, so I don't fault mom and dad, but, you know, it gives you a greater understanding of things that were passed down, you know? For sure. Most of the time, if you look at the issues in your own life, you can trace it back to your parents and their upbringing. So it's good to know your parents' history as well and their past so you can pinpoint generational curses that really need to be broken in your own life so those same issues are not passed down to your own children and to your future generations. So you were influenced by the wrong people and then you turned around and were also the bad example to others. Being even a bad influence at a young age. Yeah, you've always been a leader and have had influence, but you were serving the wrong master. Yeah, for sure. I was definitely used by the devil to, you know, because I feel like God, he gives us gifts. You know what I mean? He gives us gifts, but he doesn't take them away. So we could use them for the world to influence the world or we could use them for his kingdom. So, yeah, he always gave me the gift of influence and authority. And when I was in the world, that's what I, I used it for evil, for sure. Yeah, you've always had a preacher's calling on your life, bro. <laughs> That's a fact. Um, but it's true, you know, God gives us all gifts, you know. He created us with them so we could use them for His kingdom. But if we're not surrendered to God, the enemy will take full advantage and use them for His purposes. You know, it makes me think of fortune tellers, you know. There's prophets, prophetic people that God uses to be His voice. Then there's fortune tellers who also predict the future, but they're partnering with darkness. Yeah, for sure. Even with singing, you know, a lot of people, they get the, the talent and the gift to sing and then they go and, you know, they want to sing for the world and become, you know, Lady Gaga or, you know, Marilyn Manson or something, you know, instead of becoming the next Christian gospel singer. Like you said, you know, God created you on purpose for a purpose with authority and influence, but you were not always using it for his glory, right? Yeah. I remember one time, like 10 years ago, you were sitting with the drug dealer, like I think doing drugs or something. And he said something about God. And then you like stood up for God and he had just a powerful like reaction. He actually, what, he threw his drugs down the toilet and he wanted to know more about God, but you weren't ready for that. You were like, nah, bro, you don't got to go that far. <laughs> Tell us that story. We do drugs and, um, yeah. And I ended up talking to him about God one time. Um, it was so deep, you know, the Holy spirit speaks through me. Sometimes I don't even know what, I don't even know what I said. I don't know what I remember. I don't know what was said or what, but the Holy spirit 
speaks through me. He spoke through me at times where I was lost, dark, and you, you would never think eh, there's any Holy Spirit next to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the Holy Spirit would use me in any situation that he sees fit. Even when I'm stuck in sin, I remember many times in my life where the Holy Spirit has used my situation for his glory. Even it says God will use the bad for the good. He used my situation that whatever I was going through, even I was locked, uh, locked up on drugs, jacked up. He used that situation for his glory. And it don't matter. Like to make a long story short, he said something like the Lord's name in vain. You know, God, beep, right? <laughs> and I said, like, hey, man, you give me the scene saying the Lord's name in vain. I felt like I always had that fear of God, you know, growing up and knowing him. And Well, yeah, our parents definitely raised us with the fear of God. Yeah, he was always there. So I, I definitely had a fear of God. So even when people say, you know, the Lord's name in vain, I always say something about it. And I think that's how it started with me. You know, and then him saying that he don't even believe in God. And then I started, you know, I started saying something, you know, we was we was on drugs at the time. And even being on drugs, it doesn't matter how far I was. I was gone. You know, the Holy Spirit still used my situation to to witness to somebody. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I guess he got a little convicted and he started flushing his drugs down the toilet and. Yeah, at the time I started freaking out. I was like, man, we need those drugs, man, because, you know, I was, we were still lost in the world. But uh, at the time, yeah, I was like, no, don't do that. We need that. Nate, I know God has saved you from so many near-death encounters over the years. <laughs> I remember car accidents that I cannot believe you walked out of or times that you put yourself in harm's way. And God really did cover you with his supernatural grace and protection. Yeah. Do you want to share a couple stories, you know, of God protecting you where you were like, wow, I can't believe I walked away from that? For sure. There's a couple that I that I know for a fact that I was I was protected by an angel. Um, the, the very first time that I remember, I was just a young boy. I might have been like six or seven years old. And uh, my mom, she had a big old cargo van. Cause we had, you know, had a big family and stuff. She had the biggest cargo van at the dealer, you know what I mean? And she was backing up one time and I hopped onto the back of the van and she popped up onto the curb and it shook me off. And I fell and she ran over my head full speed, boom, 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 and ran over my head. I'm like a little kid and she ran over my head with the cargo van. What? Right? And I know for a fact that the hand of God was there. An angel straight up hit his wing or the hand of God or straight protected me and from getting my head smashed by this heavy van. <laughs> wow. I know you got in big trouble. Probably got some whoopings because of that. <laughs> <laughs> Our parents didn't play. They pulled out the belt. <laughs> and my mom was tripping out. Another time that God really protected me, I was shot at. Right. I was with a, a friend of mine at the time and um, I was talking to these girls. They were pretty much trying to set me up because they they seen some things that I had. So while I was talking to them, there was this dude that came out of the apartment complex, all blacked out with a black hoodie on and his hands were in his pocket. God always given me discernment, gave me a heads up. 
where I've always seen things happen before it actually happened. And I wasn't saved at the time. You know, I still had this gift that God gave me. So my first reaction is he has a gun. Let me get out of here. So I skirt off. I'm talking about he's he's like five, 10 feet from me. He starts shooting all through the car. Do, 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 do. Right. At the time, I just thought, you know, oh, I just dodged it. We, we just we just, you know, dodged a close one. But after the next day, when I'm going through the car, I'm seeing bullets went through the car, went through the back seat where it's supposed to actually penetrate me, where I was supposed to be shot that day. And I didn't get shot, me or my friend. And I felt like there was the, the hand of God keeping those bullets from penetrating me. Wow, bro. And uh, yeah, that was, I even told my friend, you know, he doesn't believe in God. He's actually, he, he's Punjabi, so they, they don't believe in God. You know what I mean? They, they believe in reincarnation. He even tells me that reincarnation, he'll come back as a bird or something. A bird. I'd be coming back as a dragon. <laughs> yeah, he wants to come back as a so um I was telling him like that was that was the hand of God that protect us. Yeah, I was supposed to be all shot up. I probably would have lost my life that day if the hand of God didn't protect us. Cause he shot he shot like 10 bullets all through the back seat. The bullets were like on the ground, right there where it was supposed to penetrate me. It was just like dropped. Wow, thank God. That was another time that I really felt like the hand of God protected me. And uh, I could just go on and on about stories about, you know, me, how God protected me, how God protected me, saved my life so many times. If it's not drinking and driving, if it's not going to try to rob drug dealers when, um, you know, finding guns on people that I would go rob and stuff, they had guns on them. But you know how many times where, you know, I was out there, living a muck where I, I could have got my life taken many times. You know what I mean? Um, been through shootouts, been through uh, crazy situations where, you know, knife fights and crazy times I got hit with bats and different objects, you know, in, in fights and being jumped and at car accidents. Um, yeah. Driving crazy. Um, yeah. Crazy stuff for sure. I I could write me a little book right now. There's there's a lot of drama that uh, God definitely saved me from, for sure. Yeah, because God created you for a bigger purpose and a plan, and he wasn't going to allow the enemy to stop that. Yeah. You know, people might wonder, you know, why is it that some people can, you know, step in the world, do something foolish, and then that's it. You know, their life is taken out. But then someone like you, Nathan, who God had just had supernatural, crazy protection over your life for decades— you know, just over and over. And I believe it's really because God knows who's his own. He knows our beginning from our end. He knows our whole life story. He knew that you would have a powerful testimony like you do today and that you would turn around and go back and take the enemy by storm. And ultimately, all that's evil, the devil, he doesn't win. Yeah, he wasn't going, he wasn't going to win, no. Well, you know, bro, you know, we grew up together. You know, I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly in your life. You know, I remember when I was a lot younger and you were really young and you got kicked out of the house because you weren't, you know, obeying dad's rules and, and you were living rebellious and, and dad was like, you can't stay here and you had nowhere to go. And I had my own apartment. So you asked me if you could come stay with me. I remember being hesitant, but you had nowhere to go. But I did have some rules. I said, you know, you can't drink in my house. You can't bring your girlfriend over. You know, there were certain things that you couldn't be doing in my house. 
But I would come home and I would see like shot glasses in my sink, you know, your girlfriend came over, other things. And I think what the final straw was, was I was sleeping one time and a police officer woke me up out of a dead sleep. Like, I was like, is it even legal that he just got into my bedroom? But anyways, he did. And he woke me up and he told me, you know, we caught your brother in the neighborhood across from you and he was robbing some cars. I said, oh, heck no. Yeah, I used to, I used to do all that craziness. And then I think it really wasn't that you robbed the cars. I think it was that like, now you're messing with my sleep. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've always been like, don't mess with my sleep. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to rob cars, you better do it when I'm awake. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, you had to move out at that point. Fast forward to maybe about a couple years ago, you know, you know, you were selling weed for a living. You had your own, what was it, a plantation? What was it? I don't know. But I remember, you know, you telling me, oh, it's legal now. You know, it's legal. I have papers. I have my own cannabis business. You know, I even pay taxes. But I was like, no, bro, it's not about if it's legal. God did not create you so you could sell drugs for a living. You know what I'm saying? If you have a preacher's calling on your life, you need to get right. You know, I remember specific times throughout the years that I've spoken truth into your life, but you just weren't ready to give it all up. Yeah. You know, my heart hurt, but I just continued to pray for you. But a few years ago, I was visiting a church and there was a guest prophet there and he literally came up to me and said, the prodigals are going to come home in your family. And I remember God giving me an instant flash of you and our brother Calvin. It really impacted me that day. And I just knew like God is going to do something. I don't know when, but it's going to be a miracle and I'm just going to keep praying. Now, fast forward to a couple years ago, you know, when we took that family camping trip, honestly, I really didn't want you there because, you know, you always stirred up a lot of drama, but you came and just like I thought, you know, you unleashed a lot of demons. There was a lot of chaos. And I remember a short time later, you know, there was a few of us at one of our sister's house. I was fed up and I made an announcement. I said, you know, I love Nathan. I'm going to continue to pray for him. But unless he gets radically saved, I want nothing to do with him. And I know a few of them were shocked because, you know, I'm just like the most loyal, faithful person. For me to say that, I was really kind of done. But fast forward to the following year when I came to visit again, I actually saw you a couple times at family events. You seemed a little better, but you know, you were still living a life of sin. And then about a month later, you called me at five in the morning. I was like, what is Nathan doing calling me, you know, at five in the morning? Of course I was sleeping. <laughs> um, why are you always trying to mess with my sleep, bro? <laughs> but I remember calling you back and I said, Nathan, what's up? And at this point, you know, we weren't even talking. And you said, sis, I really needed you. You know, you were having a hard time sleeping. I mean, God was just meeting up with you in your dreams. And you told me, you know, I needed to speak to a righteous person. So I called you. And at that point, I was like, what's going on? But the Holy Spirit really spoke through me to minister to you that day. So that was about seven months ago when you had a complete transformation. You called me. And since then, we've been, you know, FaceTiming almost every day. And I've just been pouring into mentoring you. It's been amazing and watching God do amazing things in your life. We really do serve a miracle working God and there ain't no sinner that he can't save. So share with us your testimony and what was it that caused you to lay it all down and surrender? The last six months um, leading up to me actually surrendering my life to God and accepting him in my life. God was shaking me. 
I felt like God was tugging at me a lot those last six months. It was like he was preparing me to pretty much surrender to him and to invite him to be, you know, the author of my life. Yeah, the Lord of my life. He was preparing me for it. So um, I started seeing things like how my daughter is going to be, how she's going to churn out how uh, her mom is such an influencer in her life. And all that kind of was the last straw where I actually um, was crying out to God, like, God, how, how do I save this? How do I save this situation? And he's pretty much telling me I'm the only one that's going to save anything. Like, you know what I mean? You're not going to be able to do it yourself coming over here, trying to control her again, trying to do this. You're, that's not what it is. You know what I mean? It's in, and I'm the only one that's going to be able to do that. I pretty much, I started, I started when I was there. I started like praying, like, God, please protect my daughter. Don't let her do this. Don't let her do that. And I think I just started praying like every single day. God was just speaking to me. I was having these crazy thoughts. I pretty much felt hopeless about everything. You know what I mean? About my family, about my life. I was very dark at the time. I was very, very dark. I would just cry on reasons why I was living the way I was living and me thinking about it and God showing me that, you know, this is how your kid's going to be if if you don't change. And I would cry. I would cry pretty much until uh, God told me I'm here. If you want me to be the the Lord and Savior of your life, I'm here. So um, I pretty much cried out to him and, and, and told him, okay. There was a lot going on in my life. Like you said, we were, we were raised in a Christian home, so I always knew God. He was always coming after me, always there, trying to knock at my door. I just kept on ignoring him, ignoring him, ignoring him. God is, is, is there. He wants to have a relationship with you. If you ignore him, you know what I mean? You're not going to be able to hear him. The more you cry out to him, it doesn't matter what you're going through. You could be locked up in a cell. You could be going through a divorce. You could be failing school. If you come to God and start to come to him often, he's going to, he's going to come to you. This is in the Bible that the more you draw near to God, the more he'll draw near to you. And me praying, even when I was smoking and drinking, I just started praying every day because I, you know, being raised in this Christian home, I, I believe in prayer. Like, I believe, like, you know, God, if this is, if you're real, you know, please help me. And then finally, I just, I pretty much surrendered and said, okay, I'm okay. You have my attention now. God will make your life very difficult and constantly knock at your door and constantly until you pretty much give your life to God. I felt like that the whole, my whole life, even though I was living in sin, I felt like God would still be knocking at my door. Felt like I never lost my salvation, even though I was still living in sin. Yeah, like the Bible says, you know, God really will leave the 99 to find the one lost sheep, right? Yeah. And you were that lost sheep that he was trying to get back into the fold, right? For sure. <laughs> no greater feeling. And then you called me desperately. Yeah, so he was just tugging at my heart, trying to get back to me. I just started talking to him more often. I felt him very strong, very strong. I was thinking, oh, who who can I talk to right now? I needed to call you, you being the oldest in the family and your position. And I definitely wanted 
your uh, words of advice and definitely needed you at the time to strengthen me for sure. Yeah, I remember the Holy Spirit just powerfully speaking through me to minister to you. So ever since then, God has completely been having his way in my life. God really makes all things new. He still resurrects dead things, you know. He brought you from death to life, and it's such a faith booster for me. And it's something that I prayed for for so many years, you know, interceding for you and just believing that God was going to do a miracle in your life. It's so encouraging to me. But what really blows my mind, you didn't just turn to God and leave a lifestyle of sin, but you are on fire, bro. You're allowing him to do amazing things in your life. I mean, almost every day you call me so super pumped and excited that you told somebody about God when you first surrendered. You were telling me about how some of the guys at work were smoking weed and everything. And you were just telling me if they only knew, you know, that it's a dead end road. (laughs) You know, I did it my whole life. There's no fulfillment in that life, you know. And I was telling you, you know, you need to share your testimony. You know, your testimony is going to change lives. You need to tell people that you were once living that life and God has set you free. You need to share your testimony, bro. It's so powerful. And you were like, no, 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 I'm not doing that. (laughs) You were just like really nervous about it. Yeah. I felt like when I first came and surrendered to God, I, I felt a little ashamed of my testimony. I felt like that was Satan. I felt like it was Satan himself. Because he knows that there's power in the testimony. I felt like Satan was trying to make me ashamed of my past. We're like, oh, yeah, you're saved now. Now just, you know, zip it, you know, not letting him know where, no, God could bring you out of this. Yeah, the enemy wanted to bring you condemnation and shame because he knew you were about to, (laughs) you were about to take him by storm. So how did you step away from the enemy's lies and into, you know, boldly sharing? I had to pray for it. You know, God says he doesn't give us a a spirit of timidity, but he gives us a bold spirit, a courageous spirit. That's so true. But you've always been naturally bold. For sure. I've always been bold. So I don't think it was boldness that you really needed to pray for. In your case, it was more of breaking off any lies or shame or condemnation coming from the enemy, right? For sure. So God has been making me bolder. Well, yeah, he created you bold for such a time as this. For sure. You know, there's a things that I pray for now that I never prayed for until I spoke to you. You like telling me to pray for divine appointments and stuff. Now I pray for that every morning and he gives me straight up divine appointments every single day. I'm telling you, bro, if you want to make the most of your life, pray for divine appointments every day and just watch God show up in powerful, supernatural ways. And now you're unstoppable. You boldly making Jesus known wherever you go, you know, in the coffee shops, on the streets, even at a work meeting you recently went to where you told the whole room, your boss and everyone else about your testimony and everybody was blown away and encouraged. And it's so powerful how you just don't care what anyone else thinks. You are giving God all the glory through your testimony. Obviously, I'm having a proud sister moment. I can't help but brag about God's goodness and His transforming power. You were blind and now you see. You were dark and now you're light. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Nathan, your daily testimonies are just fire. I mean, so encouraging. Share what God's doing through you right now. Yeah. I saw this demon-possessed lady. She's sitting in the same spot for weeks. I keep driving her back, driving back and forth when I'm working. 
one day I felt like God telling me to, to go over there and to give her some money or food or, or tell her about, you know, God. So I go over there and I give her some money and she straight up grabs the money, throws it at me. I don't want it. Wow. Right. And you could tell that she's being tormented by a demon. So I start trying to cast the demon out of her. Like I was Jesus himself. <laughs> Come on. But, you know, that's before I started really learning more about demons where, you know, they have authority when people allow that to happen and they pretty much have to renounce things to get rid of the demon. I didn't know. So I start saying, get out of her in the name of Jesus. Get out of her. <laughs> she starts screaming. Ah, no, no, leave me alone, leave me alone. And she's screaming pretty loud. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, no, this is not good. I got to go. Um, so I end up leaving. And the next day, I'm like, I'm going back over there. <laughs> I'm going to go over there and prepare this time. Where's my holy water at my cross? <laughs> I'm going to go over there. So anyways, I go over there and she sees me again and I start uh, praying for her right there. And I start telling her that God loves her and stuff. And this time she doesn't say nothing to me. She's just kind of quiet. Pretty much uh, my lunch was over. So I had to get back to work. So I left the next day. I did the same thing. I go over there and I start telling her, you know, Jesus loves you. He wants to free you. He could free you from this. Just ask him to help you. She starts crying. I'm like, wow, I'm getting, I'm getting somewhere. You know what I mean? She went from screaming at me, telling me, stop it. Then she didn't say nothing. And now she's crying. And I tell myself the next day I'm coming back again. And I go back and she's gone. She's gone from the spot that she was at. So I just been praying for her. I felt like God has put it on my heart to pray for her. And just on Friday, I seen her again. She's in the middle of the street screaming at cars. Um, <laughs> and because I think I stopped praying for her. You know, and I felt like God told me there she is again. He reminded me to start praying for her some more. Yeah, it doesn't matter where I go. You know, I I tell people about my testimony. I tell people how jacked up I was and and pretty much God saved me from the, the life. Of, he pretty much saved me from death. You know what I mean? I'm not stopping. I'm not slowing down either. I'm, I'm actually I'm on the hunt for souls. <laughs> that's what i'm talking about <laughs> i'm like i'll be like scanning the area which one of you is next huh <laughs> and the holy the holy spirit sends me the holy spirit knows i'm scanning and he says that one and i said uh -huh. so how's it going oh nothing oh, yeah you believe in jesus oh no i don't believe in jesus oh well come over here let me tell you a little bit about him <laughs> watch out nathan's working for the kingdom now one story that I really love is you called me one day and you had to go to a work training. It was like a training with a manager and it was a room full of guys. And you basically just started sharing your testimony, announcing it to the whole room. And all the guys there were just so encouraged and you were ministering to everyone. Yeah, I started, I started sharing my testimony and talking about God. Yeah, the whole class was moved. The whole class was asking me questions and stuff. And I believe me sharing my testimony, a lot of people relate to me. There's more people, ever since I started sharing my testimony, there's more people that actually want to listen to me. 
know, I'm not just somebody saying this or saying that, you know what I mean? These are people are actually, you know, so they hear the stuff that I go through and they're like, wow, I let them know that like, I, I used to be there. I used to, you know, it doesn't matter what, what you've done. Wow. You know what I mean? I, I used to have a cannabis business. I was actually licensed by the state of California, legal to sell cannabis. I was paying taxes, you know, and I just pretty much surrendered my life to him. I, I gave it up. You know what I mean? You can't serve God and money at the same time. Right. So pretty much gave up my cannabis business. And I tell people that and they're, and they're shocked. They're like, what? Why? <laughs> That's good business. Why'd you do that? And I'm just saying, same reason I surrender to the gym. You know what I mean? Because it's not what God wants me to do. It's one of the things I pray about now. I pray, um, you know, I don't pray like, God, give me this. God, give me that. I pray, God, do what you want in my life. Give me the things that you want me to have. You know what I mean? Um, it's just one of the, the other things that you got to pretty much surrender. You got to surrender the, the wants of the flesh and start wanting things that the spirit wants you to have and do, you know what I mean? For sure. I'm praying now that, you know, whatever you want me to do, God, it's not about me no more. Where do you want me to work? Where do you want me to live? What do you want me to drive? Ever since a few months ago, I've been wanting to, uh, to have like a ministry. Like I see these pastors and the, they have these ministries and I want a ministry. God, when am I going to have a ministry? He straight revealed to me, you have a ministry at your job. Amen. Everybody that you speak to, everybody that you run into, everybody that you talk to about me, you have a ministry and it's your workplace right now. Yeah, you're a street preacher. And it's true. And then I don't have a car right now. And um, everybody that gives me a ride, I minister to. And I felt God telling me, this is the reason why you don't have a car, because you need to minister to people. Wow, that's powerful. Um, I mean, I was praying over this dude, praying over that person, this person. My own boss gave me a ride home. I started ministering to him, and, and I ministered to him twice already. The first time, he was kind of laughing at me. The second time, I almost had him tearing at the eye. I'm like, uh-huh, that's the Holy Spirit, homie. <laughs> God, uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just uh, trying to plant good seeds everywhere I go. I'm trying to, trying to plant these spirit seeds, you know what I mean? These good spirit seeds. Yeah. And you tell me some of these people will just flat out tell you, you know, that they don't believe in God, but you continue, you know, you just stay bold. Yeah. There's a few people that told me that they don't believe in God yet, including my boss that gave me the ride home, trying to tell me that he don't believe in God. And I pretty much tell him like, how do? You, where do you think we come from? You know what I mean. This universe is made too well to to not believe in God. I this one girl, this one lady, she told me she believes in the sun, and the sun is God. And I told her, I, oh yeah, well, I serve the God that created the sun. I saw her three times already. Every time I see her, I say the same thing: Jesus loves you. Oh, I don't believe in Jesus. I'm like, yeah, you said that last time, <laughs> but he believes in you. <laughs> <laughs> right. But really your testimony alone is proof of God. Yeah. You can argue someone's doctrine or their theology, but you can never refute someone's testimony. And just the other day you called me up all excited because you led someone to Christ for the first time. Share that story. Some homosexual that has been a homosexual for 40 years, he told me he's never been with a woman. Wow. 
It's the very first person I ever led to salvation. He straight up was crying from that. When I told him, he repeated the, the sinner's prayer with me. And then I told him, Lord Jesus. He said, Lord Jesus. I said, come into me and baptize me with your fire, with your Holy Spirit. And tell me why he said that. I seen him tear up from the eye. And I said, oh, my goodness. I started getting all hot and stuff. I was like, I never did that before. I, I felt the Holy Spirit was right there. He came down and baptized us both with his fire. I, I was started. I was hot. I was like, "Oh my God, I'm hot." I'm like, <laughs> you know, I knew he was hot. I'm like, "Hold on." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I then I said a little prayer right right after that. I was talking about Lord, just just renew our minds completely turn us away from the sins that we've had continue to uh send your mighty angels to protect us heavenly father and continue to guide us and um man that it was amazing because you know i always wanted to lead somebody to salvation ever, ever since i i turned my life to god so um for for the first person to ever do and then do was gave for oh my goodness i feel like after that i could i could lead anybody to salvation god send me Send me to the deepest, darkest dungeons. I, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, come on. There's, I was pumped up and I felt like I could go to this, the, the corners with a little microphone and say, Jesus loves you. <laughs> yeah, on the streets of San Francisco, I was ready to go preach the word. I, I was like, man, send me. Back in the day, I really, I, I did, I had a problem with homosexuals. I, I would never even get in the car with them. I would never even talk to them. I, I would, I was always, I had so much hate and so much darkness around me. God, give me the spirit of love because for the last five months when we worked together, I've always like been so kind to him. And he's even said, yeah, people treat me different because they know I'm gay. And I said, you know what? It's, it's hate. It's, it's what the devil does. It, it, he turns people against people. But that's not what God wants. God wants to show love. He even says, you know, love will, will cover a multitude of sins. You know what I mean? Amen. You got to love. It's the only thing. You know, you can give all you have to the poor. But if you don't have love, it's, you're nothing. So I was like, that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit has given me a, a spirit of love. That's why. I could talk to you. That's why I could love you and, and care about you. You're, you're God's precious child. You know what I mean? He, he, he wants us all to, to come to him and not perish. You know what I mean? So I'm just so happy that God used me. It's funny because I didn't know how I was getting home because, you know, I sold my car. So I'm carless right now. And right before I got back to the station, I said, God, I don't know how I'm getting home, but lead me to whoever you want to hear about you because I'm ready to tell them how powerful you are. So whoever I get in the car with is, is about to get the Jesus bomb dropped on them. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so tell me why. And then when I go there, he's there. His name's Sammy. His name's Samuel. Actually. I even told him, you know, Samuel is, is a prophet in the Bible. Right. And he's like, Oh yeah. And I was like, yeah, man, you're destined to do great things. Right start telling him about my testimony about how jacked up and how man you know what i mean god it don't matter what kind of sin you've done god will forgive you you know what i mean and after that he told me i want this i want jesus i was kind of nervous but i told him you want to just say a prayer right now and and really accept this in our life and sure enough he said yeah he said yeah he wanted it so that gave me the the okay to lead him the little sinner's prayer 
And man, I was I was nervous. I can't lie. I, w- I never did it before. I've, I've told people about my testimony. I've told them about God, but I have never led anybody to salvation. Wow, Nathan, you just fire me up. And you know, this is just the beginning because you know you are meant to go to the prisons. I've told you that before. I know you freak out when I say that. What? Oh, no. Oh, oh Lord Jesus, no more locked doors. No. <laughs> but the good thing is you'll be able to walk out. <laughs> you about to be a prison pastor. You need to accept your destiny. I've had visions of it over and over. Now, the next step for that guy, Sammy, that you led to Christ is to disciple him. Did you get his number? Yeah, I got his number. And yeah, he's about to get some discipling. And I felt like I wanted to do some deliverance on him right there. Or whatever God tells me, I'm just, I'm I'm rocking with the Holy Spirit, whatever the Holy Spirit tells me. Wow. You know, God is so good. Ever since you told me to ask for divine appointments, Every single time that I say, Lord, give me a divine appointment, bam! He says, oh, yeah? Here you go. I got you. This is exactly what I want you to do. Yeah, I'm telling you, won't he do it? And, you know, I really can't speak to somebody longer than five minutes without telling him about Jesus. Same here, because when you really have a love relationship with Jesus, like if you fall in love with the person, you want to tell everybody about that relationship, right? Well, it should be the same with somebody that says that they love Jesus. It will just naturally flow out of your mouth. You can't help but talk about his goodness. Yeah, there's no way. You know, I heard this one pastor one time. He was talking about, he had a conversation. He said for about 30 minutes. And he got so convicted that within that 30 minutes, they did not say one thing about God. They were talking about politics and about this and that. And they didn't say anything about God for 30 minutes. And he said, he cut everybody off. He said, wait, 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 wait. For the last 30 minutes, we have been talking. We have not bring God into our situation. Yeah, so good. Yeah, God is such a transforming God. And, you know, he's always doing a new thing in us. You know, if we allow him to, he's changing every part of our heart, our attitude. I mean, surrendering and giving everything to God is a daily process. It's daily. For sure, for sure. I'm definitely still in the healing process. Right. The other day, I'm praying and I'm reading all day. I'm having Bible audio. I'm having preachers talk to me all day. I pray, I read before I go to bed, and I go to sleep and have the most impurest dreams, four of them, back to back to back. I felt like I was being attacked as I as I slept. I felt like the, the evil one, the uh, a nasty, nasty demon was tormenting me as I slept. Yeah, well, the enemy knows that he had you, and he knows your weaknesses, so he's trying to test you, you know? You know what it was, though? God told me what it was. When we opened doors... It gives the evil one authority to do stuff like that. And I was a little disrespectful to my dad. And then I got really angry at my mom. And that's what happened. So it didn't matter how much I was praying, how much I was reading. The devil had authority to come in and attack me because of the disrespect and the anger that I allowed in my life that day. Come on, preach. So you cannot give any foothold for the devil to come in in any type of door if it's anger or disrespect not honoring your parents anything like that will give 
the demon's authority to come in and have their way with you. It don't matter if you're saved. You could have the Holy Spirit all day. Disrespect your parents, have a little anger. You're going to be tormented. You're going to be attacked right away. Yeah, it's so true. Any unforgiveness, holding on to offense, it gives the enemy permission. Yeah, yeah. God actually revealed it to me the next day because I'm crying like, God, why? Why? He straight revealed it to me. This life and being a believer and being saved with the Holy Spirit in you, it's tough. You can't be slipping. No slipping on no chicken. <laughs> no slipping on no chicken. Never heard that one before. <laughs> I'm just saying it's real and it's tough and it's an everyday thing. And you have to pretty much surrender your whole life. You can't be having no no hidden sins or no anger or no bitterness. Any Any type of unforgiveness in your heart, you better search your heart and forgive. Yes. Let me tell you, bro, claiming to be a Christian is easy, but living surrendered, that's a whole nother life. Yeah. But yeah, that's so true. And I talk about it all the time, the matters of our heart and the actions that we take. It's not just unforgiveness that we need to be aware of, but it's how we spend our time. If we as Christians are taking in all that the world has to offer, you know, the movies, the music, the people, we're making ourselves vulnerable for the enemy's attacks. We can't just feel our flesh and then starve our spirit and then expect to still have a close relationship with God. It's just not going to happen. No, it ain't going to happen. You know, I was a big gamer. I loved playing video games and I would always play on, online with my friends. I would always have the, the headset on where I could hear them while they're at their house. We'd be talking back and forth. I was really big at gaming. And it was a few months after I gave my life to God. It was this year. It was about six months ago. I was gaming one time. And um, when I gave my life to God, I kind of cut back, but I would still go. I would still do it. You know what I mean? One time I'm gaming. And I have a crazy dream again. I allowed the devil to have a foothold in my life just through the video games that I was playing. I had a crazy dream. I woke up and God revealed to me that it's the video games and you are straight grieving me every time you put that on. So tell me why that day I sold my PlayStation 4 and all my video games. It was probably worth like 300. I paid it up there for 400 and got paid 400. Guys, like, I don't care how much you want. You're going to get rid of that right now. Wow. I straight up surrendered my video games. I haven't played another video game. Um, my daughter has uh, video games. She plays Mario Kart. So, you know, sometimes I play that with her, but it's not the same as the games that I was playing, the adult games with the adult speaking and the adults, uh, I was with this girl last night. Uh, yeah, my F and this. Yeah, we smoking this and that. You know what I mean? It's way different. So, but I saw my, and I ain't played it since. Yeah, I didn't think about that. You know, it's not just these violent video games, but it's all those worldly people and all the trashy conversations that you had to listen to. Yeah. And it actually, it's, it's everything. Everything because, you know, God says once he comes into your life, it's him looking at things. It's him hearing things. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. So I don't, I don't watch movies no more. I'm not playing no video games. And I don't even listen to my Christian rap music. The rap music that, that they're talking about, God this, God that, I'm a demon slayer, this and that. It don't matter. All that boom, boom, boom. It's, it brings back, you know, flesh. Like I feel, I start bobbing my head and start moving my body like I, I used to. I'm having like flashbacks of when I used to drive around selling drugs and slapping all this crazy music. It has the same beats as the music that I used to listen to. I, I had to give that up too. I had to give up my music. 
You know, it's there's a lot of things I had to give up when I pretty much told God, you know, I will do what you want me to do. I'm going to surrender to you. So surrendering is it's a whole new life. It's a whole new world. A whole new world. You always the comedian. <laughs> but I'm just saying. You know, it's so true, bro. You know, I can tell you from experience. I've been a good Christian girl most of my life. You know, I live moral. I had the fear of God. I look good on paper, you know. A lot of people actually looked up to me in my faith. But my whole life flipped the day that I got on my knees and I really surrendered and said, whatever you want, God, I'm yours. And that's what God's looking for. He's looking for people that are surrendered to Him, that are willing to sacrifice at all costs. You know, the Bible tells us to pick up our cross and to follow Him, right? For sure. So that's not going to be easy. You know, it's one thing to walk away from a life of sin, but once you surrender to God, He's going to require you to give up things that are not necessarily sinful because He's after anything that has your heart. So I got to tell you, Nathan... The thing that really made me believe that this turnaround, this transformation that you had was real, and it wasn't just like in the moment, and it wasn't something temporary, is not that you walked away from a life of sin, but instead it was when I started to see that you were giving up things that you loved that were not necessarily sinful. Like you were willing to obey God at all costs. I mean, that's when you know that God really has your heart. Like recently, you know, God told you to get rid of the gym, to stop going to the gym. And, you know, you're someone that loves your body. You would always flex. You know, it was an idol to you. You would work out like every day. And God told you to get rid of the gym. And he told you to get rid of some other things. Tell us more about that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was definitely into working out, you know. Um, you know, it's all vanity because, you know, you could start off as, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm overweight. I want to go there to get healthy. Um, you know, a few months later, you lose that weight, you're going to continue to go. And you wanting to lose weight transforms into vanity. Now you're looking at yourself and now you're admiring yourself and it's all vanity. And at the time when I gave my life to God and I stopped smoking weed and all this stuff, it was like the only thing that I had that, that kind of, I felt like, oh, it helps me with my, with my walk with God and stuff. It was a lie from the devil. It, it's, it didn't, you know what I mean? It's straight bandage. I would come home and I would flex in the mirror and I would see these new cuts and these new muscles that would pop out of me. And I was all into myself and it made me think that, oh yeah, this and that. And, um, for like two months, for like two months, I was, I was walking with God. So I would always have these Christian worship music playing in my AirPods, you know, in my earphones. So I would always be listening to these Christian songs. And this one Christian song came on always, like every day, pretty much what you have to give it all up. I give it all up for you to make room. Will you give it up for me? The, the song kept repeating itself saying, will you give it up for me? Will you give it up for me? I kept hearing God say that in the back of my mind. And I'm over here trying to ignore that. Like, no, I don't think that's God. No, that's just my imagination. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to hear that. Oh, let me get back to this workout. Jeez. <laughs> Somebody's trying to tell me to get back, give up the, the gym. The hell no, I'm, I must be tripping. For like two months, it kept on hearing that. And I kept hearing the Holy Spirit telling me, will you give it up for me? And I kept on throwing it off. Like, oh, I, might not, I must not be hearing right. I'm <laughs> trying to shake it out of it. But sure enough, <laughs> the Holy Spirit clearly told me, will you give it up for me? And 
I even was like crying that I had to give up the gym. I straight tear from the eye saying, God, I have given everything. Why this? It's the only thing that I do now. Yeah. And the gym straight had my heart. And God, you know, he says he's a jealous God. He wants our heart. And the gym had my heart. So even though I was saved in the Holy Spirit and I invited the Holy Spirit in my life, it's not the same. Nah, you gotta, you you can't be having, it was pretty much a God. It was like an idol to me. And that's why God says I'm a jealous God. No other idols before me. And it was a straight idol to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I had to give it up. I gave up working out at the gym. Um, you know, every day is a struggle. I still think about the gym. I, sometimes I still think about, well, maybe I'll just go one day. No, that doesn't happen. <laughs> like, I, Yeah, I remember you actually called me when this happened, when God was telling you to, you know, stop going to the gym. And you were so frustrated. It's like you didn't want to do it. You were like, I don't want to get fat, <laughs> but God told you to do it. And, you know, you were obedient, even though you were struggling with it and you really didn't want to do it. And then it was nine days after not going to the gym and you called me up. You're like, maybe I can go now. You know, I gave it up for nine days. I'm like, um, was that you or was that God that told you you can go back to the gym? Right. And then you were like, maybe I can just get some weights and, you know, bring some weights home just so I could work out. And so I can just stay in shape. And I was like, um, what's God telling you about that? And as we were talking, you know, the Holy Spirit was even telling you in that moment, with God, no means no, right? When God tells us to give something up, it's for multiple reasons. For sure. It wasn't just your body and working out and that being an idol. It was also the environment of the gym, you know, with the music pumping and the girls bending over in their tight clothes, which causes lust. You know, most guys don't just go to the gym to work out. <laughs> you know, there's a big spiritual war going on. I had women come over trying to holler at me, bend over in front of me, trying to distract me. It was the spirit of Jezebel. And I'm like, whoa, you know what I mean? Uh, let me just try to get over here. So it wasn't just the fact that um, I was into myself. There was, you know, God, he's always doing multiple things at one time is why he does things. It's not just this. It's always two, three, four things is why he's trying to get you away from that. It's not just um, one thing. So right, it wasn't even completely that um, I was into myself and I was into vanity and all that. Um, there was a bunch of things why I needed to leave the gym behind me. But God is so good. You know, he gave you a job that is a lot of physical exercise and you're walking around all day. So he's still keeping you strong. He just didn't want you in that gym atmosphere. So God just kind of replaced how you got in shape. For sure. Definitely. Especially with my job. I'm doing like 25, 30,000 steps a day. So. And you know, going to the gym is not wrong. Listening to Christian rap is not wrong, right? For me personally, I feel convicted because I feel like God's telling me that I need to work out. I need to get up and get in shape sometimes, you know. What God requires of each person is going to be different. It's whatever has your heart He's going to require you to give that up. And it's really not optional. Yeah, it's not optional. Like you said, it's not a problem to go to the gym. It really isn't. There's a lot of Christians, pastors, you know, preachers that go to the gym all the time. You know, they want to get fit. But, you know, me being a baby, a baby Christian just recently saved. God is trying to heal me and, and wash me clean. And that, that was not it. You know what I mean? That was not it. Yeah. I had to tell this dude, you know, he said, why you stop? Because he saw me in, in Costco and he would always see me in the gym. He works at Costco. He's like, I don't see you at the gym no more. What's going on, man? You don't go to the gym no more. And I was going to tell him like a little, you know, nothing story like, oh yeah, well, you know, but I, I said, you want to know the truth? 
it was a stumbling block to me, you know, with my walk with God. And it, it was, it started getting into vanity and stuff. And he's an older dude. He's all, he's all, yeah, that's, that's one of the, the daily sins. You, you can't be into vanity. But when I go to the gym, man, it just, it does this for me, this me. And then I come home to my wife and my kids and, uh, you know, and he had a whole different reason why he goes to the gym. And the reason I went to the gym was completely not his reason. My reason was, oh, I'm trying to get sexy. I'm trying to get swole. I'm trying to be bigger and cutter than my friend that goes to the gym. And we're like in competition. I don't see if my chest could get bigger than his. And nah, that's a whole different thing. You know, it all depends on your heart. That's what God, he he judges a man by his heart. You know, he doesn't judge a man by what he does. It all depends on your heart. So some people, their heart is in a different place than than other people. You can say that again. God is all about our hearts, and that's a fact. For sure, for sure. Yeah, so I really encourage you listening. You know, if there's anything that is separating you from God or taking God's place, you might not even think that there is anything. But I encourage you to humble yourself and ask God, you know, reveal to me if there's anything in me, Lord God, anything separating me from you or competing for my affection for you distancing myself from you, reveal it to me and allow him to show you. Well, this has been an amazing, powerful testimony today. Wow. What a conversation. What last words would you give somebody that may be a struggling in a life of sin, you know, is not living for God, but the Holy Spirit is speaking to them through your testimony. What would you tell them? God is bigger than the devil. You know, it doesn't matter how dark we are. He's going to make a way. For those who seek him, really, he could wash away any sin. I'm a walking example. You know, I've, I've pretty much done everything. The sinner of all sinners over here. Look at, look at Saul. Look at Paul, man. Yeah, you're definitely a Saul to Paul story, bro. He's killed Christians and God uses him. So it, it really doesn't matter what, what kind of life that you live. Just, just know that God is bigger than, than your sin. God is bigger than your sin. Yeah, we're all going to have to stand before God. You know, this is in the Bible that. Every tongue will confess and every knee shall bow that Jesus Christ is Lord. So, yeah, he loves you and he wants you to come home to him. Amen. We're not promised tomorrow. This is the day for salvation. Well, bro, thank you so much for being on today, for being vulnerable, for being honest and sharing your testimony with us. This is the first time I'm publicly sharing my testimony. I'm just so proud of you. It's really such a blessing for me to disciple you and to watch God do amazing things in and through you. Man, without you, Leah, uh, it'd be a, a harder road to go down, but you've been, you've been there and you've made it a lot more smoother than, than I expected. You know, God has definitely used you to, to mentor and to, to help me with my walk. You know, um, I just thank God for you. I, I just ask God to continue to favor you and bless you for your obedience and um, your loving spirit. It's, it's so beautiful. You really do inspire me. Oh, bro, don't make me cry. <laughs> I love you so much. Would you pray over us today, specifically for those that have loved ones and family members who are not living right with God? You know, maybe they've walked away. You know, they're lost in their sin and addiction, living in darkness, who some of them have been praying for years who feel burdened, who feel hopeless. Would you pray over them today? Okay, I just want to say, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you do in, in sinners' lives. Thank you so much, Jesus, for the sacrifice, that the torture and the pain that she went through to, to save sinners like me, Lord. 
And I just want to and ask you, Lord, to strengthen the parents that their prodigal daughters and sons will will come home. I pray, Heavenly Father, for the the prodigal sons, Heavenly Father, that that lost hope, that lost belief in faith, Heavenly Father. And I pray that you ignite a fire in their life. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you bring them deep conviction of their sins. I pray, Heavenly Father, you draw near. It says that you soften the hearts and you harden the hearts. So I ask you, Lord, just to soften the hearts of these prodigal sons and daughters that need you. I pray, Heavenly Father, that she, Lord, will, will completely have your way. Rise up a new generation of warriors for your kingdom. Change lives like you do. Do what only you could do. Do what only you could do, Heavenly Father. Continue to strengthen us and give us boldness and courage for your kingdom. Send your mighty angels. Destroy the works of the devil. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So what you doing after this? Uh, I'm going to read the Bible and read my book, Spirit Wars. I might finish this tonight. Oh, that looks like a powerful book. Fire. I'll give it a plug right now. It's Spirit Wars from Chris Vallotton. That book is preparing me. And I got to say, what keeps Nathan strong and on fire for God is he's in his word every single day. I mean, he listens to nothing but sermons, reads books. He keeps his heart repentive. And that's what it takes to stay strong and to keep from slipping by staying free of temptation. We as Christians got to feed the spirit more than we feed the flesh. That's for sure. Yeah. I love you so much. Love you, Leah. I'll talk to you tomorrow. (laughs) I'll be ready to hear your next testimony. Every single day, I have a new testimony for you. If you would just pick up the phone. (laughs) I heard that. (laughs) All day, every day. He don't stop. He do not stop. All day, every day. That's right. (laughs) God never sleeps. We're the ones that are too busy or unavailable, right? Our priority should be to plunder hell and populate heaven. For sure, for sure. I just want to thank Jesus Christ for for saving me, rescuing me from the dark life, and actually um, using me to to be a light. Thank you, Jesus. You are wonderful and worthy to be praised. Make sure to sign up to get all the blog and podcast updates at leahmariecarson.com. Follow on Instagram at the lens of faith. And be sure to subscribe to the Lens of Faith podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google. Remember, friends, life becomes clearer when you focus through the lens of faith. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.